Welcome to the Wits Up Women in Triathlon podcast. I'm Steph Hansen, Chief of Wits Up, and I'll be attempting to swim, bike, and run this show. I'd like you to picture yourself here with me and one of your favorite triathletes having a chat over a coffee. Or if it's one o'clock wherever you are in the world, we've cracked open a nice bottle of Shiraz. The aim is to show you the person behind the triathlete. What makes them tick? Who inspires them? What has driven them to be the person and the athlete they are today? This podcast hopes to be more than just swim, bike and run. Now we've gone straight to the top for our first guest ever. Absolutely no pressure at all. She's a three-time Ironman world champ and holds the Ironman Hawaii run course record. Standing at a whopping 161 centimetres high, that's five foot three for those not using the metric system, Marinda Rinnie Carfrey is a dead set powerhouse, well known for her running prowess. But did you know that she used to be a farmer? Well, I guess I may have paraphrased just a touch on that one. She actually grew up on a farm in Queensland with her family. But I can really imagine Rinnie chewing on a bit of straw while she drove a tractor around the paddock, can't you? Now, Rinnie is always a favourite to catch up with because she's one of the most genuine, down-to-earth and bubbly personalities I've ever had the pleasure of meeting on the circuit. And now you've got the opportunity to get to know her a little better. You might be surprised by a few things she's got to say, especially in the first few minutes of this podcast. And in case you missed that massive hint, I strongly recommend you listen to the announcement she has to make. So moving right along, please be kind to me as I've had a few teething issues in getting our first few podcasts together, but I hope that the content will see you through. And I promise to improve the quality with each podcast. So for now, please welcome Marinda Rinnie Carfrey. Um, you know, I think it came from playing basketball. Um, Marinda is far too long a name <laughs> to call out to someone on Especially a basketball in Australia. court. In Australia. Oh, way yeah. Too, way too, way long. too long. I mean, I have many, many, many nicknames now, but Rinnie, yeah, came from basketball and kind of stuff. Other ones, Vincent? Vincent. Oh, when I was little, like Min, Minnie, um, little oh. one, Pinky. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Pinky? Yeah. I, I don't know why. I think because I was the, like the smallest in our family, so that's <laughs> what my siblings call me. Fair enough. Yeah. I've never really had a nickname. Seriously? Yeah. I guess your name's already short. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. You could work on it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll try and come up with something for you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about 2017. I've noticed, I mean, usually you've said before when we've done interviews or in any interview that you do, that you in theory you can sit down after Kona at the end of the year and then map out the next year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's happened, but you certainly haven't haven't announced what you're doing this year so I'm a bit curious yeah so yeah exactly Siri and I always um, get together at the end of the year and um, sit down and try to figure out the best plan of attack for Kona um, the following year and this year was kind of no different although honestly I crossed the line in in Kona this year and went over to Tim and said I think it's time for us to start a family Um, and we'd obviously been talking about it we both know we want kids um so, yeah, we decided that we may as well start now. Um, why wait when we know it's something that we want to do? Um, and to keep putting it off for my career seems kind of selfish. And so um, decided to start trying. We didn't know if it would be easy or hard, but evidently for us it was quite easy. easy. Um, <laughs> too much information. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, probably too much information. But, yeah, we're, we're expecting a baby in... Um, early August. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's such good news. So, yeah, yeah. We're obviously over the moon. Um, we 
you know, been pretty careful to keep it quiet. We want to make sure all our partners know first, all our sponsors and friends know before we announce it to the general public, not to mention um, I'd like to make sure everything's 100% great with the baby before we announce it. So, um, yeah, but obviously it's a very hard secret to keep um, because we are both so excited for this new and different um, year for us and the rest of our lives. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm Yeah, I'm really happy. All right. Oh, that is massive news. Wow, but you're also joining a long list of uh, yes. triathletes who are pregnant this year. Yeah, it's kind of uh, crazy. So many triathletes are pregnant this year and all around July, August. So I feel like we're all around the same time. So, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Lots of little, you know, baby triathletes running around in 20 years, um, hopefully doing well. Maybe triathletes. Maybe we'll put them into tennis or golf or something else, make yeah. a little more money yeah. than <laughs> yeah. mum and dad did. <laughs> Oh, man, I mean, I guess people can only hear us, obviously, but cannot wipe the smile off your face, which yeah. is making me smile as well. <laughs> it's, um, oh, it's, it's so congrat- – I haven't said congratulations yet. Congratulations. Thanks, Steph. Yeah, yeah, we're stoked. Um, now, you did say when you crossed the finish line in Kona, it was one of the first things you said to Tim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you said you started trying. But I, I'm guessing it was a little bit after Kona. Like <laughs> most people are pretty sore after <laughs> yeah. Kona. No, obviously, yeah. And I don't think I would want um, a Kona baby just because I don't know what his situation for that race and my situation, like the egg and the sperm, might not be the best egg and sperm after uh, racing in ridiculous conditions for nine hours. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we, we gave it a cycle and then tried the next one and, yeah worked out keep saying egg and spoon egg and spoon race it's just another race <laughs> yeah just, it is another race yeah um oh, so yeah we we've uh, obviously as i mentioned we've been talking about starting family and when's the right time and it's really hard as a professional any professional uh, female trying to figure out when that's going to fit into the career to your career and i don't think it really ever does fit in um mm. and for us when i initially you know, five, six years ago before we even got married, I always thought that I would uh, finish my triathlon career and then start a family. But, um, you know, given the fact that, you know, risk factors increase in your late 30s, early 40s, um, you know, I still love racing. I still love competing. I still want to continue to try and improve. Um, Yeah, I figure, you know, why not take a year off now and that will give me another maybe three or four good, really good years in Kona where I can race at the top level. So... I feel like, yeah, it was great timing. I'm glad that it all worked out. And well, hopefully it's all, all everything yeah. keeps working out well. But, um, yeah, it all looks good so far. Have you reached out to any other athletes? So at the moment, uh, obviously Gwen, mm-hmm. uh, Helen Jenkins, Lucas yeah. Spirig, uh, and Joycey obviously already had her little one. Yeah. Um, and I know that you're quite good friends with Joycey. Have you spoken to her at all? Yeah, so um, I didn't get a chance before I left Boulder um, to chat with Joycey, but... Obviously, she's going to be a great resource. Um, I emailed her actually last week and let her know the news because we're trying to let like our closer friends know now um, before you know we announce in a month or whatever. And um, yeah, she was obviously excited over the moon. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy her lunch when we get back. And if she has time, I know she her hands are quite full right now with little Archie and and training full time. And um, her partner uh, Brett works full time, so it's a pretty tough balance for her. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing from her. And then another friend of mine, Amanda Lovato, used to race professionally um, before I left. Um, she told me she was pregnant as well for the second time. So I've been chatting to her. And then, yeah, I mean, 
there's definitely a lot I can learn from any mum, <laughs> let alone just the triathlon um, mothers. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with, with Rachel a little more when I get back to Boulder. What, how do you see Tim's role fitting into it? Does he feel like he's going to have to take a step back from racing a little bit or race more because he's got to earn the, the dollars <laughs> for a little bit? Yeah, no, um, I, I want to honestly give him every opportunity to race as best he can this year. Uh, being a professional couple um, is pretty tough. Um, mm. uh, having that energy shift in the house, uh, especially leading into Kona, we're both sort of vying for you know, that top position if possible. Um, and I think over the years, given that I've won a couple of times, I feel like he's he's been given a little bit less energy. Um, and so, honestly, this year I'm trying to help him as much as possible and like pick up the slack where I can. Obviously, I'm making a baby, so some days I'm <laughs> quite tired. Um, but and and he's 100% supportive and you know not really that good at taking help. But um, yeah, I'm trying to pick up the slack and do the groceries and do the laundry and do all the little things that generally we both struggle with um being full-time professional triathletes so um trying to take a little bit of that burden off him and just give him the freedom to train hard uh, focus on racing and and not have too much else to worry about which a lot of male professionals have but he doesn't because his wife happens to also be a professional triathlete so not a lot of energy left over at the end of the day at our house um needless to say but um yeah with the baby due in august um that'll be two months before kona and um, it's probably not perfect timing for him, um, but you know the plan is that I'll take care of the baby 100% um, and sleep in another bedroom for those last two months leading into Kona. Yeah, honestly, I just want to give him every opportunity to have a great race in Kona, and um, obviously he's carrying the flag for our family, so he better do a good job. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. I mean, a couple of years ago when you, you crashed before <laughs> in the weeks leading into Kona, mm-hmm. um, you said that one of the, the silver linings of that was that you actually got to see him yeah. race and finish. So you know what that's like. And I can see that you're excited yeah. for, for that side of things as well. Yeah, I'm excited to be a supporter. Um, you know, as I said, it's such a, it has to be a selfish sport and, and especially going into that race. But um, this year, you know, for the whole lead up, I'll be there for him, supporting him, helping him out um, wherever I can. Obviously, he has to do the work. He's the one who has to go out there and perform. Um, do all the hard training um but i think he's i mean he loves racing he loves the competition um and yeah he's excited to take on that challenge of being the only one from our family racing in kona this year so um yeah i think it's it's um good news all all around we're we're excited to welcome the new the new cardonnell baby (laughs) it'll be an o'donnell baby uh it'll take his name but um yeah, we're we're excited for that, but also I'm excited for him to have a, a good year of racing. Awesome. <laughs> and then just as far as your training goes, I mean, we, I mean, at any level in triathlon or any sport, mm-hmm. we talk about setting goals and you know achieving it, whether it be in training or racing. Um, how do you go from training with a goal in mind, a very specific goal? I mean, your year is based around Kona. You put yeah. all of your you know eggs into that basket, basically. How do you go from that goal-oriented training to, I guess, exercising? So hard. <laughs> um, first of all, knowing like post-Kona that we were going to try and start a family, um, but not knowing if it was going to work, like if we would yeah. conceive or not, um, was kind of a tough couple of months there in um, like 
October, November, because generally I get back from Kona and I'm already thinking about the next year. You know, I try to take a week off, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about what Ironman race I want to do, uh, what we want to do differently. I'm chatting with Siri, and I'm like, we're on it. We're like planning um, mm-hmm. from then until basically the end of December and uh, figuring out how to tackle the next year the best way. And we were sort of, I felt like I was in limbo because I was yeah. like, well, I guess. And getting pregnant doesn't just happen. You like you have to wait <laughs> for the right time <laughs> of the month and for things to go well, and then you don't know if it's it's worked or not worked. And so it's it's quite a process. And I really feel for people who have trouble mm. doing it because even you know we conceived really easily, but um, even that was like nerve wracking, yeah, like being like I don't know if this is going to work, not going to work, and and what does that mean I can't really plan ahead without knowing and so um, in the end Siri and I decided to make a plan for next year um, for if we don't fall pregnant Um, so basically that would be the plan B and plan A was to fall pregnant and have a baby and fortunately plan A um, has come through and we'll have a plan B which will probably be um, um, implemented the following year. Yeah and then training wise or exercising wise are you swimming, riding on the roads, on, yeah. on the trainer? What? Yeah, so I'm trying to um, just go by feel. Um, yeah. Siri's kind of like putting in like suggestions for training. She yep. kind of wants to continue to give me, you know, options for what to do um, on a daily basis. But um, I'm kind of just doing what feels right. Um, I'm running probably three or four days a week, probably more like four days a week, Um trying to swim like three days a week I don't love swimming though so <laughs> and I know that as the pregnancy progresses that's probably going to be the one thing I, I can do most and I'm cycling twice a week on the road still right now but I'm nervous about riding on the road obviously yeah. now it's not just me it's somebody else I'm um, taking care of and so I don't want to risk um, you know being on that, out on the roads too much um, yeah. riding up in Noosa with Beth uh, a bit with BG um, so BG takes myself Beth and um, a couple others, and we have a pregnancy ride. Um, <laughs> we go like twice a week. <laughs> are, you, are you telling everyone that Belinda Granger's pregnant? No, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> BG is the Pied Piper, but she has nothing to do with the pregnancy part. Um, yeah, I think once I get back to Boulder, I might start doing some spin classes or something, like just to keep in touch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I was pretty out of shape when I found out we were pregnant because I basically just finished my off season you know, of doing not much or very little. Yeah. And so basically found out when I was supposed to start back on structured training. Um, so I kind of started at my the most unfit I ever get any year. Um, so, yeah, it's been very different this year. And it's amazing how <laughs> awful you feel some days. Um, yeah. Like some days I feel completely fine and then other days I'm completely useless. Yeah. And even just a few extra kilos, I've probably got like four extra kilos on me now. Um, actually, prob- a lot more than that going back to race weight, but like yeah. off-season weight and then four kilos. And trying to run is awful. Yeah, <laughs> like you right. barely get off the off the ground. Running up a little hill feels like a mountain. It's amazing how much it slows you down. But yeah. Um, and so I wasn't loving that at the start, but now I'm just like, well, it is what it is. Yeah. My heart rate's <laughs> quite high. I'm working, and that's all. Yeah. You know, that's all I need to do right now. Yeah. You- you're growing a human. Yeah. <laughs> it spins me out. Yeah, it's, oh, totally. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, I don't feel it moving or anything yet. I keep thinking I do, but I, I'm – everyone says it's like 16, 18 weeks or whatever before you start feeling that, but that's yeah. going to be crazy. 
Yeah, yeah. I bet. Because currently when we're speaking, you're at about... Uh, 15 th- weeks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, all very different, very exciting, and um, yeah, one of life's miracles. <laughs> Steph? <laughs> Oh, well, that seemed like a great time to stop talking about babies. Actually, at our wedding, we made an announcement after the ceremony that no one was allowed to ask us about having babies. Otherwise, they would be kindly asked to leave the reception. And it worked really well. So I highly recommend it if you're getting married anytime soon and don't want to be talking about such things at your wedding. But I do digress. Back to Rinny. Now, before I actually sat down with Rinny to record this podcast, I had a bit of an idea of what we were going to talk about, but then she dropped the baby bombshell on me. Now, it's obviously an awesome bombshell to drop, but we had to do a little bit of reshuffling, and now in this second part, we get to know more about how Rinny grew up and the importance she placed on her gut instinct throughout her life and her career. Yeah, so um, I'm fourth born. Um, There's three boys, three girls. Um, my oldest sister uh, lives in Perigian, actually, right now. Um, she has two kids, and she's a naturopath. She runs, like, a little co-op, um, sources all natural produce and products from um, wherever um, at great competitive rates and kind of <laughs> gets those out. Uh, that that company is <laughs> called Passionately Vital. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, they're on Facebook. Um, but, yeah, so that's her little business, and mum helps out with that, actually. Um, and then my older brother lives in Santa Barbara. He has a little, um, um, like, personal trainer sort of wellness studio that he's set up in the last couple of years. Um, so he's in the health industry, fitness health industry. Um, has been living in Santa Barbara for, I don't even know, 10 years maybe now? Yep. Um, a long time. And then my next brother, Warwick, he has three kids, lives in um, Brisbane with yep. his wife and three kids, and he's a fireman. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, he's probably the brother that I'm closest to. He's he's three years older than me, um, and he also does triathlon. He wants to do cans next year. Um, wow. He only got into triathlon in the last couple of years, but he really loves doing it. And he did um, the seventy point three in Mooloolaba last year or the year before. I can't remember. And must have been the year before because last year was World Champs. Yeah, so yeah, it must yeah. have been the year before. And yeah. I remember um, reading about it. Yeah. And I imagine he wanted to fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, no, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. But I'm like, well, if you want a free entry, you need to work for it. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, he yeah does triathlon, fireman, um, looks after his three little kids. And then my younger brother is an Uber driver. He lives in Brisbane too with his wife and they've got a little girl. Um, yeah. And then my little sister is just returning from six months of traveling um, overseas all over the world. Yeah. Um, and still kind of figuring out what she wants to do with her life. So, yeah. Wow. So how, how old's your younger sister? My youngest sister, I am, so what am I, 35, so she's 29. Okay. And you're the eldest no. brother? So sister first. Sister? She must be 42 this year or for around 41, 42. So yeah. I think it's 42, 40. And then 37 or 38, and then I'll be 36 this year. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Six kids. Yeah. Your parents are amazing. <laughs> I see they some of my friends with kids, even just one, 
And if I look after them for a couple of hours, I'm spent. Oh, I know. I, and I think that's why it's taken Kim and I this long. Because <laughs> yeah. we've had so many nieces and nephews to look after. And we're like, no, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. But yeah, my, we grew up on a farm. I grew up on a farm in yeah. Brisbane. So I think um, my parents just had lots of kids for free labor. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's how you do it in the country <laughs> so your parents still on the farm or? um no it's actually sadly the whole area has been subdivided um it was all like small crop like you know my family are around five acres um yeah. so it was small crop farming in that whole area like lettuce farms and um like turf farms um and now it's all housing because we're at the, they're only 15 minutes out of the city so um yeah right okay yeah it's just yeah. gotten but it's, I mean, it's great because the land's worth good money and yeah, so yeah. mum can retire on, on the land, yeah. which is great. But, um, yeah, kind of sad because the, it was beautiful growing up. Yeah. It's all farmland and countryside. So growing up and what was your, what was your job on the farm? Um, well, I'm sure you had many. <laughs> um, I was always considered one of the little ones because there was, you know, I was one of the three younger um, children and so I was always considered one of the little ones but... Um, you know, first of all, you're folding the cartons, um, you know, getting up early, folding the cartons through, through lettuce. And then after that, you're um, packing lettuce. And then after that, when you get a bit, a bit bigger, you're carrying the cartons, like, to the, back and forth to the truck. And then when you're, like, at the top level, I guess you're picking um, yeah. as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's kind of a uh, pecking order um, yeah. there. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean... I look back on those years with fond memories. I remember we hated having to get up early and, and do work on the farm, but I think think back now and I think it was very good for us. Yeah. Um, well, surely it set you up for, I don't know, discipline and yeah. know, structure and getting up early to go to the swing squad or whatever. Yeah, no, and I, well, we, I feel like I don't think we had to get up that often that early, but I do remember getting up early and I remember not loving it, getting up in the dark in the winter and it being yeah. cold, as cold as it can be in Brisbane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but more than that, I remember just having freedom to run and play on the yeah. farm and be outside all the time. I mean, I remember mum having to, like, yell out the door, like, at dark, like, dinner's ready, kids, you need to come in. You know, yeah. I feel like that's missing so often now. You don't see kids um, out playing all afternoon, all evening. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was, I think, I mean, running around, no shoes, just being dirty and being little grubs. Yeah. Uh, I was a total little tomboy uh, following yeah. my brothers around. and Yeah, I, I think it was it was a great childhood. And yeah. um, at some point we would love to be able to own acreage so we can bring our kids up on, yeah. on land that they can run play. Oh, for sure. I think it's the I, best gift you can give. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I grew up in Tassie and yeah. a couple of places that we were at, we had quite a few acres yeah. and it was just same. Like, yeah. I, I'm sure mum had a bell. Bell, yep. <laughs> and like, because I've got two brothers and so it was building sports yep. or playing footy or building bow and arrows or yep. whatever. Totally. It was just constant. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, obviously then there was the sport that we were involved in, yeah. which now leads me to, to your sporting yeah. um, start. Um so basketball was your big thing as a kid. Yep. How did you get into basketball? Um, so my older brother, I don't know how he was introduced, but he started playing. So initially I had to play. I played netball. My older sister started playing netball and then I played for a year. And then my brother started playing basketball and I was like, well, I want to try basketball. 
Um, and I loved basketball, um, started playing. That was when I was about seven. Um, so I kind of followed my brothers into playing basketball. And a few years later, my mum created a club team for our area. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I would be – our whole lives were – weekends were revolved around playing basketball, being at the courts, either refing or subbing in or um, for, for another team or just – you know, hanging out, waiting for the next game or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, spent, basically spent my <laughs> weekends from seven or eight till, like, high school, through high school, playing basketball. Yeah. Do you miss it? Do you miss that team? Yeah, team I miss – yeah, I do. And I, 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 I had some some amazing friendships through that and I've lost contact with um, yeah. all of those friends. Um, actually just reconnected with one of my best friends and – Hopefully going to see you in a couple of weeks, but oh, cool. um, yeah, like that camaraderie, um, having a team and having, mm. you know, I don't know, it's, it's so different in individual sports. Like you, it's like, you, I do have my team, my team's different that in that they're behind the scenes. Mm. They're not on the front line with me. Mm. Um, and in basketball, obviously you're all out there together and you're a team and you're united and it's you against the world, your, your team against yeah, the world, yeah. but you see in triathlon, your team is your manager, your coach, your husband, your family, and they're supporting you behind the scenes, but they're not in the battle with you. So yeah. it's, um yeah, very different. And I, yeah, I miss that camaraderie that comes along with it. Yeah. It's kind of, because I grew up playing netball and softball, and I never thought that I'd do an individual sport, because yeah. I loved that. I mean, I just love being around people. Yeah. Um, but it's that double-edged sword where you... I mean, there's only so much you can do because yeah. you have to rely on other people. Yeah. So it's that trust in your teammates, which is an amazing I, – I, like, I really miss that. But then, you know, if other people stuff up or if you stuff up, you're letting down, not yeah. – Yeah, it's it's oh, it's fascinating. That That's a real difference between yeah. an individual sport and a team sport. Totally, yeah. And that, I think that's what drew me to, to um, individual sport um, in the end – being 5'3 and playing basketball, <laughs> I was overlooked quite a lot. Um, I was all, and I was quite, I would say, like I had either low self-esteem or just not enough self-confidence um, really? as a basketball player. Yeah, I kind of, I always deferred to other players. So I'd always like, I was a point guard, so I was always looking for setting up other players. And so I never stood out. Um, mm. Although I was the one that was never, ever, ever missed a training session, um, did individual sessions, would do all the, like, that, you know, send me home with a training program over winter. And, yeah. you know, the bigger girls would never do any of that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. They were way out of shape. I was always the fittest, the fastest, yeah. you know, but um, I didn't stand out and I wasn't tall. And so yeah. that was always tough to deal with, a tough pill to swallow. And, um, yeah, when I met these triathletes on off-season, on basketball off-season, I was in the gym trying to get big and strong <laughs> to take on the big it girls in basketball. Really well. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just was like, wow, this sport is really freaking hard and but they work for they work for it and they get what they work for. So yeah, right. it was just yeah, knowing that you put, you get out what you put in. Um, yeah. that really spoke to me. Yeah, right. So I, I want to go back to you, I guess, um, lacking a little bit in self-esteem yeah. or confidence being that. Other than triathlon pulling you in that direction, mm -hmm. what were the people around you that helped you see that you you had potential and um, you were good at this or that? Or, you know, like, yeah. who were the people who, um, I guess, inspired you every day? I'm not talking about looking up 
to Michael Jordan or mm-hmm. anyone. I mean, the, your your inner unit. Um. Well, initially, actually, a basketball coach came up to me one day, and this was I'll never forget it. I was probably about twelve, mm-hmm. and I was just shooting around and playing after a game, and um, he came up to me and he um was wanting to develop a like um like a junior development squad, um, and he just said. You, you've got all the skills I'm looking for. Um, basically, he saw something in me, and he was just yeah. me for some basketball guru to come up and be like, "You're really good. I want you to come and play on my squad." Yeah, it was like, like wow, like really me? Yeah. Like you're supposed to be talking to someone else. Um, and so that it was, I guess, sort of the first person. I mean, I'm sure there were people in school, but he was the one that I remember that really sort of. Uh, and after that, he took me under his wing and would take me for individual training sessions and just put so much energy and time into wow. me uh, for basketball. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think that that really gave me confidence in myself or started yeah. to give me confidence in myself or started, had me believe that maybe I could be yeah. good at the sport or yeah. a sport. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he was the initial person. Um, his name's Steve Levin- Lennon. He's still coaches in Brisbane and um, oh, wow. a lot of the junior girls, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was kind of the first guy that really – or the first coach that saw something in me and sort of gave me the confidence. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I mean, in triathlon it was kind of different. Um, when I started, the coach that asked me to come and join the group, um, you know, he said, you know, you, you run really well. Uh, I think you'd make a good triathlete, even though I'd never – really swum before and didn't own a bike um, other than riding the BMX bike around the farm. That's fascinating that he's just seen you run. Yeah. And just go, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he um, he definitely was the, is the reason I took the leap into triathlon. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. With triathlon, it was weird. It was a different, like, a gut feeling. Like, really? When I decided that I wanted – it was the craziest, most surreal feeling. Like, I remember him saying that in the morning and I went to work at Bunnings that day. Bunnings Warehouse. Is that <laughs> so, around back then? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Tasmania. So <laughs> this is this is 2001, 2000, okay. 2001, nine, no, maybe around 2000, maybe, when okay. I first started. So you had my own car hardware store. No, Bunnings is brand new, brand new Bunnings in Queensland. Um, and I just remember being like just on top of the world all day that day, like, and I had no reason to be. Like, I had nothing to tell me that I was going to be any good or anything, but something inside me was like, this is special. Like, wow. this, yeah. This, and yeah, it's, it's really crazy to look back now and like, wow, like, <laughs> my career has been more than I could have ever imagined. Um, wow. But yeah, having that feeling was just, yeah, incredible. I love that you remember being at work that day. Yeah. I was like on top of the world all day. Like, had butterflies in my stomach all day long. Wow. Um, just like, I don't know. And again, no reason to, other than gut feeling, you got to listen to it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so many people are scared to listen to their gut. Yeah. 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 I mean, if that, yeah, that told me <laughs> um, that you must listen to your gut at all times because it's wow. 100% dead on. And then that gut feeling has turned into, I like to say, the, the mongrel within mm-hmm. um, over years and years and years. Because, I mean, I, I think I've discussed this with you all, plenty of the pro women mm-hmm. out there, is that everyone is, is really nice, 
but you have to have a certain level of white line fever. So what, like when race day comes, yeah. you've got to have the mungu. Yeah. Especially in Kona, you yeah. don't have it. Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to kind of learn that um, mm. because being from a team sport and realizing, and I don't know, and having like your friends, you still go on the court and you still have your friends and then starting triathlon and you could be chatting like, Bella's one of my best friends. I can be chatting to her before a race, but I know that she's my enemy when I get on that start line. Yeah. Um. I, I. It took me a long time to get my head around that. Like that, my friends punching me in the face when I'm trying to swim. Um. You know, like to, <laughs> to get into that mindset and that yeah. like, that have that mentality. And even to this day, I still, um, I can't just turn up to a race and race. I need to have pretty good mental preparation to get yeah. myself into that state where I can get the best out of myself. Yeah. Um. It doesn't come naturally uh, for me, I don't yeah. think. Although some would say it does now, but um, no, I feel like I still have to mentally prepare to be in that mental state that you need to be in to race at the top level. Yeah. Well, last year in Kona, there was, uh, there was a bit of smack talk before the race, which I loved. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't harsh, but yeah. you were just like, I'm here to win. I'm here to win. Yeah. It's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, I, I get a bit fed up with people who beat around the bush and, oh, I just want to do my best. And, yes, everybody just wants to do their best, but, <laughs> yeah, but, like, on, if you're going to be honest, you're here to try and win the race. Yeah. And I I don't see any point in telling fibs or trying to beat around the bush or um, even people who won't talk about their competitors, like, you know, who's who's there to look look out for? Who are the, yeah. the favourites? I'm like, well, yeah. There are lots of favourites, and they're either their strengths, and of course I've been thinking about them. Yeah, um, yeah. And I don't think that makes you weaker. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people believe that, you know, you're putting your attention on these people. Um, and you're right, you do need to focus internally, especially the closer to the race you get, but I don't think it hurts to acknowledge that the competition is tough. Yeah. And, you know, you do have to – I mean, of course you know everyone's strengths and weaknesses and who's going to be out there yeah. um, that you'll need to watch out for. You're only lying to yourself. Yeah. yeah. And it just, it just sounds lame. Like, oh, I'm just focusing on myself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm a three-time world champion. Yeah. I just want to have a great day. <laughs> yeah. I'd love triathlon to win. Yeah. <laughs> In the end. Oh, as long as triathlon wins, we all win. Oh, totally. <laughs> Actually, I remember um, I posted a photo of you um, at the finishing line last year and you said, you know, gracious in defeat, which you were. And I had a few people, I did a um, – a few, few issues, people were saying uh, she wasn't defeated, she's still amazing, don't take away what she's done. And I was like, in, in what way have I taken away? <laughs> Marinda Carfrey did not come here to, you yeah, know, get second. What, pop, you know? Yeah. Oh, not only was I defeated, I was freaking crushed. <laughs> I, I'm going to use that next time. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just, write, just write that. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't have a great day last year in Kona. And um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to walk away from a world championship finish second place and then tell people you didn't have a good day because yeah. it's the pinnacle of the sport and to get on the podium any year should be great. But knowing what I went into the race with and what I came out of the race with, I didn't execute the best race I could have. Daniela raced extremely well and was a deserving champion. Um, but she was – we were nowhere – we were racing – it was a yeah. race against the rest of us. Um, totally next le- level. And that's not to say that – she's unbeatable because she's by no means unbeatable. She was very, very good on that day and it's going to take a very, very good uh, performance to beat to knock her, knock her off that pedestal. Yeah. But um, 
it's by no means impossible and yeah. I kind of look forward to that challenge when I do come back in, in a year's time. Yeah. So the goal is, okay, have a baby. Uh, do you know what you're having? Or No, we're not going to find out. Okay. Yeah, we're yeah. going to keep it a surprise. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I think I'd like be surprised. Yeah. 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 It's, it's hard though because we, we, yeah. we had the, the genetic testing done and everything and they, they left a message and they're like, yeah, we have the gender if you want to know and Tim and I look at each other and we're like, really want to know now yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna try and hold out yeah yeah so we'll wait. Two different twins, but who knows? yeah but you don't know yeah yeah but that's the thing like i can ask you all these questions now and say oh so you know you want to come back and but you might yeah. turn around in august and go oh i'm done yeah you just don't know right i know and uh that yeah i mean i can't i can't see myself saying that yeah but it's certainly a possibility. My whole world's going to change um, yeah. when that little baby comes, and um, obviously it'll be a massive priority in our lives. Um, but we'll cross that bridge when it comes. And and the goal, as of right now, is you know I still have fire in my belly to go yeah. back and race Kona and um, try and get back that title. Um, I don't. I I think it's very possible um, yeah. to go back and, and do that. So yeah, I I don't think I've had my best day there yet i've had some amazing days in kona um and i i still think there's a good some great performances left so that's the thing with this sport isn't it yeah constantly chasing that perfect yeah perfect race yeah and uh, like if i if i for some reason had to retire tomorrow i would be ecstatic yeah okay oh that's the career and everything that i've done and like 2013 kona was near perfect day for me honestly i didn't even want to race 2014 kona yeah, when right. i saw running 13 because i'm like i don't know how to make it any better than this hang on 13 is when you had the really good bike ride as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah so i so I, had, I rode like sub five and then i ran a i don't even know both 250s or something so it was just an all-around like i swam well i biked well the power numbers were really good yeah and then I was able to execute a very good marathon off that. 2014, I didn't race as well, but I, it was enough to win. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people say 2014 is your best race because it was a big deficit and a big comeback. Well, I, my answer to that was it shouldn't have been that big a deficit if I'd yep. ridden to my ability. And so that's kind of why in 14 I wanted to go and race Roth and do some different and sort of a different preparation. But, um, yeah, um, I think 2013 is... And having Tim finish fifth in the men's race and his best finish that yeah. day was just like absolutely pretty perfect. So, yeah, I mean that one will be hard to top. And if I can't do better, then I still have that one to to remember. And obviously, I have three world titles. I mean, who would complain about that? But um, yeah. yeah, I still want for more, and I still think I can do more. So we'll see. I love it. Yeah. Um, I just I want to quickly go back to because you did start off short course. Yep. At what point did you know that long course was the way to go? I mean, I look at um, Ellie Salthouse at yeah. the moment, and she was she was battling at the short course stuff, mm-hmm. and and then she's spoken about this, and she was ready to give up triathlon altogether, yeah. and then uh, I'm not sure exactly, but I know her and Sue spoke about it, and she decided to step up, and mm-hmm. since then, I mean, I'm I'm really enjoying watching her yeah. evolve as an athlete. Yeah. Um, so. We, at what point did you decide to go long and, and really know, was it a gut feeling <coughs> thing then? Yeah, no, I think um, initially when I started triathlon, it was all about the Olympics because you know, obviously yeah. Sydney had just happened and triathlon was showcased for the first time and um, Loretta Harrop was my you know, big hero back then and 
um, I think pretty early on, I think I did my first half in maybe 2003 or 2002. And I did uh, Cairns half um, and raced very well. I think I got second to Rebecca Keith that day. But um, I think what really indicated that I'd be better at long course was that in training, I was – I had some very good, Nikki Butterfield was one of my training partners back then, another um, girl named uh, Rebecca Myerskoff. They were both very good junior Australian juniors. Um, and there were some other athletes, but I could out-train all of them, like all day, every day. Like I never got injured to this day, touch wood. I haven't had an injury except for when the car knocked me off my bike before Kona. Um, <laughs> but that was not like an overuse injury or anything like that. Um, yeah, never, never got injured, could handle a lot of work. Um, and yeah, it just kind of made sense. And also, like obviously, with ITU, you have to be able to swim well. And yeah. coming from a basketball background, learning to swim when you're 18 is not ideal for yeah. um, for swimming. And, and you know, to this day, I'm still not the best swimmer. I'm still kind of mid pack. Um, and so it was never going to be an easy road. Um, ITU was not going to be impossible. And I did have some okay success. I had a podium and. Um, certainly a bunch of top fives in the World Cups back then. But, um, yeah, it was it was a tough, tough road. Because um, you think in ITU that the bad swimmers would be good on the bike and the run, but it, in actual fact, generally the bad swimmers are bad bikers and bad runners. So yeah. while I was getting out of the water with the bad swimmers, then they would sit on my wheel <laughs> and then they would I'd outrun them anyway. So yeah. it was kind of like just a frustrating sport. Um, yeah. And I guess I kind of started learning about Ironman maybe around 2002 and Kona. And then I was just like, my eyes were <laughs> just open to like that whole world of Ironman racing. Yeah. And like everyone else who sees Kona for yeah, the first time. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah. Um, the stories and the toughness of it. And you know, obviously I'm looking for that personal challenge. So that yeah. was something that drew me to, to Ironman. But um, yeah, and it was actually perfect timing. I, you know did I, um, ITU junior, then under 23, then raced pro. I was obviously racing pro for a few years and then came to the US, raced some halves. Then the 70.3 series started, which was yep. a perfect stepping stone into Kona. And um, and then obviously went to Kona in 09 and um, it's been a very, very good run since. <laughs> Second on debut, not too shabby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, re- really happy with that. But again, like I probably knew, you know, eight years before that I was going to be racing in Kona. Yeah. It was just, I wanted to do it right. I love that you took your time though. Yeah. I, I really think that uh, too many people, particularly pros, yeah. try and get to Kona too too soon. Absolutely. And uh, I think, I don't understand the athletes that just want to go there to make up the numbers. Kona's amazing. And if you can do well in Kona, then it's kind of more than amazing. It's yeah. everything you could dream of. But if you're 10th or 15th, you're going home with nothing but a big bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but even tenth, yeah, really, yeah, you're, yeah not you're not taking any money, home. any yeah. money home. And there's so many other races you could do to keep developing and um, building yourself up to then race in Kona at the top level. So yeah. um, anyway, that's the route we chose, and yeah. um, it's worked out really well. So happy with it. Pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this sucks because we're gonna have to wrap it up. Yeah, I could sit here and talk to you all day. Um, but uh, before we go. Yep. I want to ask you um, what WITSA yep. means to you, what, uh, or, or women in triathlon in general, what, what, what it means to you. Um, 
just promoting um, the amazing women that we have in our sport. I mean, from top to bottom, the age group stories um, up to the to the pros that are setting the world on fire and just going faster and faster. I mean, I mentioned Ellie Salthouse, obviously, on my training team, and I, I feel so proud of her. She's um, completely changed her attitude from when she started with Siri to, to now. She's a, she's a professional. She's, like, legit, yeah. and she's, yeah. Um, yeah, just a great story to follow and I think there's going to be a lot more from her and yeah um yeah Daniela Riff lighting the world on fire just cannot lose a race that girl right now um yep so <laughs> yeah I mean yeah and that and that's just a couple I mean the you know the Rachel Joyce's and the Stephens and um the other cons- all consistent athletes out there that just continue to race well but be graceful um and just good people um I think yeah, yeah there's a lot of good stories out there and um, it's great that Woodstock can showcase some of those stories. We try. Yeah. We love it. Yeah. It's, it's great. True. Yeah. You guys are the reason that we started it. Yeah. 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 You guys no, get through your platform. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I was chatting to Siri the other day and she was saying that she feels like there's, and I'm not just saying it's just because of what we've done, but it's definitely improved. The coverage. 100%. And the, yeah. Honestly, I know more about the women's races than I do the men's races. Like, yeah. and I just follow online. Maybe I'm not following the appropriate men <laughs> covering races, <laughs> but I feel like I know everything that is going on in the women's world, but hardly anything about the men's. And obviously, that's because I'm following what's up and whoever's on the ground is doing a good job. Good answer. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> uh, before you go, I've got a little present for you. Okay. Hang on a sec. <laughs> I'm doing this in the hopes that I give everyone a present and then as people start listening, they start bringing me presents. <laughs> so then, yes, there's a gift exchange. Yes. It's actually a gift exchange. Yeah. But you but didn't know. I didn't good. know, yeah. And I bought her a muffin this morning. <laughs> you did. So I owe you two times. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I yeah. Know. <laughs> okay. So it's a present, but it comes with a bit of a competition okay. involved. Yes. <laughs> just thrown a basketball over to Rinny and we're yeah. going to have a, I don't even know what the right term is, but spin it on your finger. Is there a proper oh, term? Oh, yeah. I don't even know. Okay. I, don't, I haven't done it in a while. Oh, so you can resolve that. I'm going to pass it. I want to see who can do it for the longest. longest. Okay. But rules, do you reckon you can keep tapping it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Hey, you're the basketball. Yeah, yeah. Of course you can keep tapping it. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think um, you're going to win because I haven't done this in like 10 years. <laughs> Oh, I'm gutted. Rinny absolutely destroyed me. Apparently, you can take the girl out of the basketball, but you can't take the basketball out of the girl. And now that's made me think about giving birth, which is weird and scary. Anyway, round two next time, she has to hold on to her new baby while she spins the ball on her finger to give me a sporting chance. It's only fair. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been our very first Wits Up podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode.